1 Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion for ever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Great. Um, you're all in fine voice, by the way. It's, it's a real joy to sing with you. I mean, there's not many of us, but it sounds like there are. Maybe the angels are joining in with us. Um, great. Shall we pray as we start? Let's ask the Lord for, for his help again. Father, we thank you so much um, uh, that you have a mission, and you have a mission to save um, through the blood of Jesus. Um, thank you that you brought Jesus to life, and as we proclaim the apostolic witness of that, we invite people um, into a resurrection life uh, themselves. And Father, as we look at the goal of the church now, where we're going to end up, Lord, th these things are, are so wonderful. Um, I, I, I can barely begin to speak of them with, with this tongue in my mouth. And so I pray that you'd help me, Holy Spirit, to, to do so. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd give us ears to hear um, the goodness of, of, of glory. Uh, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... We know the mission of the church now, that's what we were looking at before, but I said um, that we saw that the mission is going to end, the mission of the church will end, um, we, there will be a day when we no longer hold out the, the gospel to people, because Jesus is coming back, so what then, what then, where are we going to ultimately end up, what is the goal, the end game if you like, of the church? Now, what's so good about 1 Peter chapter 5 is that it ties the end game of the church, where we're going to end up, the goal, with where we are now. It ties the two things together. It says, because of this, do this. And so it's a great thing to look at in, in the question of what is the mission of the church. Um, so we're going to see where we're going. We're going to see where the ultimate end game of the church is. And, and I want us to really enjoy that. It's going to be, uh, as I prayed, it's hard to... To, to speak about it properly, but I'm going to give it a go, and I want us to enjoy that, and then as we see it, that's the motivation to live how we're going to live in this world. So that's what we're going to do uh, now, and we see that in this uh, 
chapter in regards to Peter, you know, how he should live, how the elders should live. What do you call the leaders in this church? Is it elders? Elders, okay. How the elders live, how the members live, you know, so if you're a member of the church, how you're going to live, and then everyone together, how, how we ought to live. Um, so that's what we're going to look at. Uh, so it's a 360 view of, of where the church is going and where the church, uh, how the church should live now. And the big thing is glory. It's glory. That's the big thing. That's where we're going. That's when we lay our tools down. When Jesus comes back, where is the church going? It's going to glory. It's going to glory. That's the final destination. And, and we see that really clearly in this passage. If you look at verse 1, uh, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that was to be revealed. In the glory. You see that in verse 4? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And you see it in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul is, uh, not Paul, Peter is banging the nail home. Glory, glory, glory. That's where we're going. Yeah? Glory. That's the home of the church forever. And so, you know, what is glory? Let's deal with that first of all. What is glory? Because um, people think of glory as different things. You know, Achilles, if you know the story about Troy uh, and Achilles, who was this mighty uh, Greek warrior, glory for him was death in the battlefield. Glory for him was just a name that was going to be echoed through the whole of history. And people would always remember that he fought bravely and he got glory on the battlefield as he died. Is that glory? Glory, glory, Man, Man United? Any Man U fans here? No? Good. <laughs> We're, we've got one in the He's not here. Okay, yeah. Well, Manchester City won the treble. Is that glorious? Everything resets at the start of a new season, doesn't it? So it sort of means nothing now. The points go from wherever they were back to zero. That's a short-lived glory, isn't it? Is glory just a really bright light? Some people just imagine glory. Oh, I can't. It's so glorious. I can't look at it. What, what is glory? What does the Bible say glory is? What is it that we're going to? Well, the, the word glory in the Bible means something like substance and weight. Substance and weight. It actually means something heavy. That's glory is heavy. It's weighty. It's got substance. It's something significant, in other words, and praiseworthy because of that. So James chapter 4, verse 14 says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. <laughs> That's what you are. You want to know what your life is? It's a mist. A mist. Can't hold a mist. Can't grab a mist. You try and grab it and it's gone. The sun comes through, pierces it and it disappears. It vanishes. That's what we are. We're a breath, we're a vapour, there's no substance really to us, there's no weight to us, there's no glory to us, we're not particularly praiseworthy, we're going to pass away, but God, he's eternal, feel the weight of that, God is almighty, he's not a shadow God, he's the substance that casts the shadow, God is not an echo, he's the voice that speaks the echo. God is not a mist. He's the rock that breathes out the mist. You see the difference? What is your life? You're a mist. God is weighty. is substance. And he's glorious. 
the Lord. And he's praiseworthy because of that. We've just sang, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Why? Because he's glorious. And so, if the future of the church is glory, then that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. I wonder what you imagine heaven to be like, uh, eternal life to be like. Some people imagine pink fluffy clouds. Um, Some people think, actually, heaven's going to be a bit boring. What are we going to do? What earth are we going to do forever? Some people think that's just endlessly singing hymns. (laughs) Oh, great. The the angels have bowed down. We've got to do it again. We've got to sing the 17th verse of Thine Be the Glory or whatever it's going to be. What we do is we take where we are now, we look at the world around us, we take this and our experiences in this world, and we take this to be the substance. We think this is the, the way to it. We think now is the glory. And what we do is we project a sort of shadowy, misty, echoey, uh, light version onto heaven. And we're like, oh, that doesn't look very good. I'm not that interested in that. See, we get it totally the wrong way around, don't we? We get it totally the wrong way around. Um... And we've made a mistake. So I was thinking, for some people, a a holiday in Cambodia seems more exciting than the idea of heaven. (laughs) And they've got it the wrong way around. They've got it the wrong way around. What the Bible tells us is that what what is here now is the shadow, is the echo, is the mist. And that is the reality. That's the real thing. That's the rock. That's the voice that's, that's spoken. That's, that's the truth. So Cambodia, as beautiful as Cambodia is, as exciting as it is to go there, that is just a mist compared to where we're actually going. That's what the Bible tells us. Glory is the reality. This is, this is misty compared to, to what's coming. Um, C.S. Lewis, if you know him, the, the Christian author and, and um, uh, theologian, he had a really good go at trying to articulate this idea that now is the shadowy, sort of vague thing and, and and glory is the reality he had a go at it in his in his book the final battle if you know the chronicles of narnia there's the lion the witch and the wardrobe i was going to say it starts there it doesn't it starts with the magician's nephew and then it's the uh, lion the witch and the wardrobe the last book in that series is a book called the final battle and it's kind of an allegory for uh, judgment day and and coming into the new kingdom the resurrection kingdom and there's a character who's a horse can't remember his name you all know his name can't remember his name, has a name, and he can speak this horse, and when he comes into the new creation, he's so excited, and he's trying to put words to how he's feeling, because he feels that this is the reality, and he says this, he says, I have come home at last, he's running, he's running, he's breathing the air, and he's, he's, he's flicking his tail, and he says, this is my real country, I belong here, this is the land I've been looking for my whole life. I never knew it until now. Come further up. Come further in. Isn't that just a wonderful picture of what heaven's going to be like? This is my home. This is the thing that I've always yearned for. Um, C.S. Lewis is brilliant. Another way that he, he's tried to describe this feeling of now being not quite home and heaven being home is, is, is when he talks about nostalgia. Now, you know nostalgia? Yeah, you sort of, um, you have a feeling or a memory of something that's great and you, you sort of yearn for it. Your heart aches for a past time or experience. Um, C.S. Lewis says nostalgia is funny because if you revisit the place that you're nostalgic for, 
um, you can never quite recapture the feeling. It just seems slightly out of your reach, doesn't it? So he uses the example of a hillside that he used to play on as a boy. And he says, oh, I've got such great memories of that hillside. It was this wonderful hillside, just beautiful, like a meadowy grass, and the sun would beam down on it, and it's just such a wonderful place to play. And he said he went back there and revisited it as an adult, and it's just a hill. <laughs> it's just a hillside. It's not been built on yet, yeah. Um, it will, probably will be soon. But, and, and he says, he says isn't, isn't nostalgia a funny thing? But then he goes on and, and says this. He says, but being a Christian... And knowing that every longing will be fulfilled in glory, he concludes that nostalgia is actually not so much something to go back to, this feeling that we have that can never be satisfied when we go back. He says nostalgia is actually a longing forwards to something. I love that. I love that. Because when I remember holidays and stuff with you know friends and family, and, and I'm around that table in my mind, and I can remember the food and the laughter... My heart yearns for that, and I know I can never really go back to it. But I'm so excited that actually that yearning is going to be fulfilled one day in glory. There's going to be a better table, a better meal, a better laughter, and I will, I will be taken up with it. And I will say, yes, this, oh, what I had there was just, this was just a shadow compared to what I have now. And C.S. Lewis, he writes this, he says, Apparently then, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off from, to be on the inside of some door that we've always been seen from the outside. He says, it's no mere neurotic um, fancy, but the truest index of our real situation as Christians. And to be at last summoned inside would both be glory and honour beyond all our merits, and also the healing of that old ache in you. And so, look, if you're nostalgic for anything, if you long for a memory or you're pining for a time in the past, then don't be sad that you never get to enjoy that experience again. If you think, oh, I'm getting old, my body's not what it used to, I'm sort of missing being able to run, being missing being able to do this, don't be sad. If you're a Christian, that ache is going to be satisfied and some. When you come into glory, this is the shadow, that's the reality. This is the mist, that's the rock. This is uh, sort of passing away, that is, that is eternal, that's glory. Yeah, so you're excited about where the church is going? Glory, guys, we're going to glory. I can barely do justice talking about this. We're going to glory, that's where the church is going up. And so with that in mind, let's take a look at um, how we should live now. Because uh, we'll see that with Peter, the elders of the congregation, and, and all of us. So, first of all, let's take a look at Peter, who was one of Jesus' followers and an apostle. So, look at um, verse 1. That's what Peter says. So, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, means he's an apostle, as well as a partaker of the glory to be revealed. So, something we learn about the glory is that it's actually to be revealed. It's actually to be revealed. The reason I can't do justice talking about it, the reason we have to try and imagine it, is because it's not here yet. It's actually yet to be revealed, this glory. It's when we come into the new kingdom, so we can't see it yet. And so if you look around you and go, well, this isn't particularly glorious, my life's not particularly glorious, then it's because it isn't. <laughs> this glory is yet to be revealed. It's coming. It's not here yet. It's yet to be revealed. 
sort of hidden in a sense. We're still here in the, in the shadowlands, but it's been revealed as a promise. It's coming. It's coming. And so Peter is appealing, he's exhorting the elders to live in a certain way because of it. He's saying, because that's coming, live a certain way. See that word in verse 1? So I exhort the elders. That's a, that's a powerful word. That, that actually means, in, in the Greek, it means to come alongside and to call, or to, to exhort. So to come alongside and say, come on, let's go. Glory's that way. We're going that way, so let's walk together. Let's go together. Onwards towards glory, I appeal to you. Come on, this way. That's what that word means. And so that's what Peter's doing. He's saying, I exhort you, elders. I'm coming alongside you. Glory's that way. Let's live this way. Let's go this way. Let's, let's head on towards it. And the amazing thing I think here is that he says he's a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. He's a partaker with us. He's going to share it with us. There's no sort of hierarchy in God's kingdom. Peter, the apostle, is going to share the same glory as you. Amazing. Grace of, grace of God. So while we travel in this world, we have the apostles come along, coming alongside us and teaching us and encouraging us and saying, this is the way to go, this is the way to go. And he's saying that because of the glory that's going to reveal. So you see the connection? The glory's coming, so I'm going to exhort you. The glory's there, so let's walk in light of it. There's the connection, where we're we going and how we live now. So this is his message, so that's Peter. That's, how, that's what he's doing in light of it, he's exhorting. What about the, the elders or the, or the shepherds? Look at verse 2. So, um, uh, let me read from verse 1. So, I exhort the elders uh, among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a uh, partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. This is his command to the elders. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You'll receive the unfading crown of glory. So what do we learn here? We learn that the elders are going to receive a crown of glory that's unfading. It's unfading. Yeah? Man City won the treble. Big deal. It's a new season now. It's faded away. It's in history. They've got to work for it all over again. The phone in your pocket. I mean, how many phones have you had? How many phone models in your life have you had? I've had like six or seven. Every time I get a new one, I think, oh, it's so nice. I've got to take care of it. I don't want to, I want to put a, a nice co covering on it so it doesn't get scratched or cracked or broken. And then after a few years, I chuck it in the bin. I've got a new one in my pocket. Things in this life fade away. They pass away. Our bodies, there are aches, pains. They fail in certain ways. Your, our eyes grow dim. Things fade away, but there is a crown of glory, of substance, of weight that is coming that is unfading. Glory is unfading. Glory is unfading. And it's a crown of honour as well. I mean, um, you know, you guys are knocking on doors. You're trying to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how many times have you slammed the door in your face? How many times do people say... No, it's rubbish, go away. You're stupid for believing those things. How many times are we ridiculed in this world? Look what Jesus does. He gives you a crown. He honours you. He vindicates you. He's going to honour you. You will be vindicated. And so what should elders do in light of this crown? They should shepherd well now. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 2 again. Yeah, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. 
not because, um, uh, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Yeah, so leaders of Beckon Tree, whoever you are spread out along here. In fact, in some ways, lots of you are leaders. We saw that slide and, you know, you've got people leading the food, people leading the welcome, people leading the services. You're all leaders in a sense, yeah? Be leaders of the, of, of this, of the ministries, be leaders of the people because you love them as God loves them, yeah? Don't pursue dishonest gain. Be eager to serve. Don't look for opportunities to boost your profile for some sort of weird reason in the church, but serve. If we serve now, crown comes later. If we humble ourselves now, crown comes later. So, shepherds, elders, serve well. You see the connection? Glory's coming, the crown's coming. So what do we do now? Shepherd well now. Shepherd well now. Next, members of the congregation. Uh, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, it doesn't necessarily mean age, but those who are under the authority of the elders. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So, members of the church, <laughs> you know who your leaders and elders are. Submit to them. Humble yourselves under them. Why? Because God is going to exalt you one day. He's going to exalt you. And so what does he require of you now? That you, that you humble yourself. That you're not argumentative. That you're not um, splitting. You're not uh, trying to separate things. But that you come together and you, and you respect the authority of the elders that God has put over you in the church. I was thinking, look, what's the highest we can ever lift ourselves up in this life? Um, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. He's lifted himself up quite high. It's not that high, really, is it, at the end of the day? Cristiano Ronaldo is like probably the most famous footballer in the world. He's lifted himself up. It's not that high, really, is it? It's not, it's not that high. How much higher can God lift you up than you can ever lift yourself up? God's going to lift you higher then you can never lift yourself. And so what do we do? We humble ourselves here, and then one day God's going to exalt us, and he's going to lift us up. And actually, if you have a problem humbling yourself to the elders, <laughs> if you think, ah, you know, Rob's a bit young, he knows nothing about leading a church, why should I humble myself under him? Well, you're actually not humbling yourself under, under him. Look at verse 6 again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's who you're humbling yourself under. Actually, submitting to your elders is humbling yourself under God's mighty hand. And what's the motivation, members of the church? Why should you bother listening to the teaching and, and rebuking and training and correcting of Rob and the elders? Why should you bother doing that? Well, if you submit now, if you humble yourself now, God's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up. He's going to exalt you. So please listen to your elders. They've been put there by Jesus to shepherd you. Jesus has put these people here to look after you spiritually and so again do you see the connection between where we're going and what we do now we're going to be exalted so humble yourselves now and then finally everyone this is for everyone this last one elders and members and, and apostles and everything uh, look at verse 10 after you have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ 
will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the glory, uh, sorry, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so what do we learn here? We learn that this glory is eternal. And notice what Peter is, is doing here, yeah? Look what he says about suffering. Now I don't know how long you've suffered in this world. You might have suffered your entire life. You might be suffering right now. But look at what Peter says in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory. You see the difference? A little while. A little while. It's just a little while. Be faithful in suffering. It's just a little while. An eternal glory is coming. A glory that doesn't finish or end. It's forever. And that's what's going to help us suffer for a little while, is knowing the eternal glory is coming. You see, um, I was speaking to someone in our church this week, and she shared something really helpful with me. She was reading it in a book. Um, and she said that this author uh, was talking about how some people shrink their horizon, so their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller, so that the only thing that fits in their world is their problems and their suffering. And that's as far as they can see. They look out, and all they can see is their sufferings. And, you know, some of us suffer hugely, and the Bible doesn't try and diminish that. We suffer. We do. But some people shrink their horizon so all they can see is their suffering. And if, if you can't see past the suffering, then it's all-encompassing. It's, it's paralyzing. It's, it's overwhelming. But if you expand your horizon, if you have eyes to see eternal glory, you see that your suffering is just a little while. It is just a little while. It's just a little while. And then you have eternal glory. And so the question, you know, are you weak? Are you weak in this world? God's going to make you strong in glory. I love that line here. It says, you know, um, verse 10, The God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He himself is going to restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. So are you weak right now? Are you weak? Are you a bit wobbly? Are you um, broken? Are you suffering? Well, God's going to make you strong. He's going to make you firm. He's going to restore you, establish you, strengthen you, confirm you in glory. That's what he's going to do. Get that perspective. Extend your horizon out. See glory. And then you'll see, just for a little while, these sufferings. God is going to establish us eventually. And so what do we do now in light of expanding our horizons? Well, look at verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So what do we, what do we all do now? We stand firm. We resist. We believe the truth of the gospel. We don't believe the devil's lies. We don't fear. We go on in the mission of the church. And we keep that perspective of eternal glory, which helps us see... Our sufferings and our difficulties are just for a little while. They're just for a little while. Do you see the connection between glory and where, what we do now? I love that about 1 Peter. It shows us the glory and then tells us what we do now. What is our mission now? And just to, just to close, um, we see here, amazingly, that the glory is in Christ. The glory is in Christ. Look at verse uh, 10 again. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ... That's who the glory is in. He's the glorious one. And look, if you're not in Christ, if you 
aren't in, if you're here, not a Christian, not really fully committed yet, if you're not in Christ, then this glory is actually not for you. Because the glory is in Christ. So if you want the glory, be in Christ. Go to Christ. Ask Christ to forgive you. Ask him to change you, to cleanse you. Because you will never reach this eternal glory if you're not in Christ. The Bible's clear on that. So if you, if you aren't a Christian, if you're not sure, then come and be crowned. Come and be crowned. Come and receive that crown. Jesus wants to crown you with glory. Come and receive it. Come and, and, and claim that eternal glory that is yet to be, to be revealed. Remember, Peter's the apostle. He comes, near, he comes next to you and he's calling you. He says, come on, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. He's, he, he rose from the dead. I, and that means that you can raise from the dead and be part of his eternal kingdom forever. Um, you know, verse 1, so I exhort you, I exhort you, I exhort you. I come alongside you. The, 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 the witness of the apostles to tell us about the resurrection from, of the dead of Jesus. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be saved and you will be called to his eternal glory. So don't think you'll get the glory without Christ. You need Christ. So come to Christ. And then the final line in verse 14 is peace to all of you who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, that's what's coming. Yeah? Glory's coming. And so live in light of the glory now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've shown us the glory in your word. You've taught us um, that it is yet to be revealed. You've taught us that it is a crown. You've taught us that it is eternal. And you've taught us that it is in Christ. Father, we thank you so much uh, for these truths. And I pray that by your spirit, you would work them into our hearts. Pray that you would expand our horizons, that we would see the glory. That we would know that this is the shadow lands. That's the reality. And I pray, Lord, that in, in light of it, we would live as you want us to live. Help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Help us to listen to our elders and teachers. And uh, Lord, we know that if we humble ourselves now, you will lift us up in due time. You will exalt us. We thank you for this great gospel. Um, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.